Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. We continue. We left off. Uh, 49 Psachim, 49b, seventh line from the bottom. So the Mishnah said we had a machloik, is an argument between Abi Yaisi and Abi Yehuda. How, in the case where you took the holy meat, sacred meat outside of Yerushalayim, and you have chametz, so at how much, what's the volume, what's the amount of chametz or the sacred meat that you have at the rabbis say you have to go back and you have to go searching chametz, get, getting rid of the chametz. You forgot to get rid of the chametz the day before Pesach. So Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, so Rabbi, sorry, Rabbi, 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 Rabbi says, Rabbi says a kazayis, a kebeya. Rabbi says a kebeya, only if it's the size of an egg, which is like two, two, two zays and two olives. And Rabbi Yudha says an olive. The Gemara says, Are you saying, let us say that Meis have a kebeya the chashi, that an egg is significant. And therefore the rabbis say you have to go back and get rid of the chametz. You can't just nullify it. But less than an egg has no significance. Even an olive is also significant. So I'll ask you to mean no, it's a contradiction because we learn the price at Kamav Mizamnin at Kazayas. When three that eat together, that they're obligated to bench together to make a zimun and not allowed to separate, each one can't, one can't just walk away and bench for himself. So we have an argument in Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda. And there Rabbi Huda says that uh, Rabbi Meir, the rabbi, say at Kezayis, that even if they ate a Kezayis together, an olive amount, they're obligated to bench together to make a zimun. Rabbi Huda, Emir at only if they ate an egg together. So it's a contradiction. Here Rabbi Huda says that only, only a Kebeya significance, less than an egg, is not significant. And the mayor says that even a that even a kezayis. And here in the mission, the exact opposite. You have to change. You're, you're right. You have to change the opinion that it should be consistent. In the mission in Brachas, you have to change it around. You flip it. And the mayor is the one who says kebeya. Just like over here, to make him consistent, he should be consistent. Just like over here, that when they ate a, the size of an egg, which is two two gzeisim, then they have they're obligated to bench together to do zimun. If not, not. And just like here is consistent with his opinion. Here says no, that even if they ate a kezayis. Abaye says Don't make any. Don't change it around. Don't flip the opinion. And it's no no contradiction. Hasam there bekroiplik. There they're arguing in the pasuk. Hacha here besvadaplik. Here they're arguing and with logic. Hasam bekroiplik. They're arguing with the pasuk. A mayor summer a mayor so holds vechalta. You should eat vechalta. This is the pasuk that commands you that you have to bench. So it says vechalta. You should eat zeachil vesavata zushtiya. Savata is, your, your, is coming to add the shusia. You drink. That when you drink, you also have to have to bench. That even for drinking, you have to bench. After drinking wine, so the blessing we make, Allah Geffen, after drinking wine, he says it's biblical. Some say no, that's not what he means, because that it's not biblical. 
Okay, water everyone holds is, is biblical, to bench after water. But he says, even after wine. But some say no. What he means to say is that he's referring to that if you're thirsty, if you just eat bread and you're thirsty, you're not obligated. The, the obligation to say grace after the meal on bread is you have to drink something during that meal. The Rebbe Tzabring, we wash, always drink some water. At, drink something. You have to drink something. Otherwise, biblically, according to this opinion, you're not allowed to bench. You have no obligation to bench. Not, you're not allowed to bench. There's no biblical obligation to bench. Because it's the water that distributes the food throughout your body, you know, throughout the blood system. So, so you, have to, you have to drink. Because I know, whatever, it says in the Torah, what's the, defi- what's the volume of eating? What's the size, the amount? It's a it's a kazai, it's like an olive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right, so if you eat a kazayas, you're obligated to say grace after the meal. So that's why that mayor there says a kazayas. He learns, he derives it from from biblically. But Rabbi Yehuda sab, Rabbi Yehuda holds we are chalta v'savata achila sheyesh v'sevia. The chalta qualifies them. What kind of food are we eating? Usually, the chalta means a kazayas. Peter says here, no, that's not what we mean. Here it means v'chalta v'savata, type of food eating that satisfies you, which is a gemeta, has to be doubled. Right, right, right. Taisva says this is all asmacht because biblically, when the Taisva says v'chalta v'savata means literally when you're full. It's very personal. It's very subjective. Everyone is different. Can you imagine an American eating a, a kebaya the size of an egg and being full? Maybe in Europe that's a full meal. In America, that's not even it's not even the schmuggers word. It's not even. I'm sorry. It's not even the, the appetizer. It's not even. In the camps, would have been a nice course meal. In the camps, would have been a nice course meal. Here, it's not even the beginning of the beginning. It's just a taste. One slice of pizza, you're just getting warmed up. <laughs> How about a full pie or maybe two pies? You know, that's, that's, why like <laughs> that's why we're all like this. Exactly. <laughs> Obesity epidemic. Yeah, in Europe, they have small portions, you notice. And everyone is slim there. You don't need to eat like a chazer to, to you know, but here it's like it's like, like a trough, like a, an ox to the trough, the animal to the trough. So they put in all these all these uh, ingredients in the food, all the manufactured food, put in the ingredients to just you keep you hungry. Kiddush, huh? <laughs> right. So he said, so it's only asmachta. Literally, it means v'chalta v'savata. You have to do all these shiurim, uh, kezayas, like an olive, like, like a kebeya. Okay, That's what the Gemara says. Hashem says, Yis Hashem panavilach. Hashem is like partial to the Jewish people. So how could you be partial? A judge is not allowed to be partial. So Hashem says, how can I not be partial? When I said, I said, you're only obligated to bless Hashem if you're full. And the Jewish people are strict on themselves that even if they ate a kezayis, even if they ate a kebeya, like, right. like an olive and an egg, and yet they obligate themselves to bench, mm-hmm. which is rabbinic. Mm-hmm. Okay, but nevertheless, it's, it's, it's based on a pasuk. It's a rabbinic, but it's a smachta, something that they lean on a pasuk, on a verse. Verses in here in our Mishnah, here it's a logical argument. That when did the rabbis obligate you to return only if it's the same amount that would, would make it tummy? How does food impart impurity? Or according to some opinions... How does food receive impurity? It has to have the size of an egg. So if it's less than the size of an egg, if it has no significance in regard in relation to the laws of impurity of the sacred uh, meat, 
a sacred sacrifice. So therefore, the rabbis did, didn't force him to bring it back to Yerushalayim, to burn it in Yerushalayim. That just like the Isr, my Suri, because I, by eating, if you, if you eat it and you violate the biblical prohibition of eating anything that went out of your Shalayim, that's even a Kazayas. So therefore, the rabbis made you go back even for a Kazayas. And Muhammad is the same thing. That Chavetz. That chametz, the prohibition of eating, is a kazayis. So therefore, the rabbis forced you to go back, go back even for that. That's Rabbi Huda's opinion. And Amir says no. By chametz, also that a kebeya has to be significant. If it's less than an egg, it's not significant enough that the rabbis would force you to go back. I mean, biblically, you can just nullify it, and and that's fine. Tani will in a brice, Rabbanasa name is Zevizakishtebates. Both the case of Hamid and the case of the sacred meat, it's only if it's the size, the equivalent, or the volume of two eggs. The Hamid rabbis didn't agree with So it's a third Okay, now, since the Mishnah we discussed, someone who left Yerushalayim, now the Mishnah is going to bring the Pasuk that says, Mashiach will come, Prozis Teshev Yerushalayim, in Zechariah, that Hashem, there will be no walls, Yerushalayim will be totally open. So he quotes the beginning of that Pasuk, the Pasuk before that, Vaho Mahu, on that day, Lo there will be no light, Yekodes and Kippoyin. And he translates. What does it mean? What does it mean, Yekodes and Kippoyin? This is the first light of the sun. The light that's Yekodes. Yekodes. Now light is very precious. Mashiach will come. It will be kafir le'elam haba. It will be trivial. It will be insignificant. When Mashiach will come. Kafir means something that swims, that floats. You don't even pay attention to you, you, you don't even pay attention to it. It's something that's it's a lightweight. So it will be insignificant. Rather, the light, when Mashiach will come, will be the light. When Hashem created the world, it was such an intense light that the light of the sun will pale by comparison. It will be insignificant. The moon will be as bright as the sun. Yeah. These are the most difficult tractates, most difficult Mishnayis in the Torah, the laws of, of leprosy. And the laws of Allah is a tent that hovers over, over an impurity. She caught and named Balaam Hazar. They're very, very difficult. They're very heavy, very difficult to understand in this world. All this will be light. We'll, we'll fully understand the most complicated. Yeah, we'll, we'll understand the most complicated things. We won't even have to. You don't, won't even have to engage in this, the Ramam says. You learn the Talmud once, you'll know it and commit it to memory, you'll have it all here, and the rest of the time you're going to be studying Hasidus all day. You're going to be studying godliness. You're going to be studying Tanya all day. Hasidus. And the, the, the secrets of the Torah. That's what the Ramam says. So he says... Rabbi Shur ben Levi says, Elu bnei Adam. 
This refers to people she caught in Hayden Balaam has in today's world. They're like very respectable. They're in the Forbes 400. Then the top of the Forbes 400 lift. Yeah. No one even pay attention to them. They're going to be on the bottom 400. Well, they say it goes upside down. Oh, what happened? The famous Gemara. This Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Shulman Levi. He became sick. And he died. He died. He had a had a he had a, a near death experience. Okay, so Cholas he became sick. It's not he died. Gehada when he came back. Amalei Avu Rabbi Shmuel Levi said to Rabbi Yisuf his son, My Cholas, what did you see on the other side? Amalei Elam Hapachlisi, I saw upside down world. El Yenim Lamata Metachtenim Lamayla. Those who are on top in this world, in that world, in the world of truth. They're all the way on the bottom. Amalei said to him, "Bini, my son, Elam Baderi, so you saw a true world, a genuine world. We live in the false world. We live in the world of house and mirrors, the world of illusions and delusions. You don't know who your real friend is. You think someone is your real friend. He's not really your friend. He pretends to be nice and really stabbing you in the back. Is it, you know, people you think are respectable, they're really the low lives and not respectable. Yeah, talking about the president. Yeah, right? people, people are all the way in the back. They're really, they're the ones who should be in the, in the front and the top. Yeah, it's an upside down world. And, and there you saw the true world, the genuine world. And then he asked him about what's the how do they look at us there in heaven, the, the, the Torah scholars? Just like here, we respect. They respected, he also respected up there. Mm-hmm. And then Rabbi Yosef said, Rabbi uh, Yosef, the son of Shomalev, he said, I heard them say, they would say, that the fortunate is the person who comes to heaven and he comes with his Talmud. So the literal meaning is that he reviews his Talmud. Someone learns, but he never reviews. He doesn't have it, he doesn't retain it. So fortunate is the Jew who not only learns his Torah, but he retains his Torah. He keeps his Torah. Tamude biyade. Al-Turebbe says, Siddhah says what it means is, also, uh, Rashi doesn't comment. Also, also, some say it means that uh, Rabbi Nechananel says, Tamude biyade means he, he learned it by heart. He commits yeah. it to memory. He knows it. Some say also he practiced what he learned. Tamude biyade in his hands. He's not just learning it; it, it translates into his hands, into his actions. He lives. He lives what he learns. So fortunate is the person with tamude is learning his biyade also in his hands. Okay, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the marsha says actually tamude biyade refers to actually writing. That fortune is the Talmud Chacham who writes down this Torah, writes down this innovations, because he says all the greatest innovations, the greatest clarity of Torah comes when you write it. Yeah. When you write something, it forces you to clarify, mm-hmm. and, and and you really become innovative. You really get to the uh, the bottom of what you're learning when you have to write it down. You can't, you know, you can't be. You have to be very clear. You have to understand mm-hmm. it, and that's when all the creative ideas flow. But the Hasidah says. Tamud biyade means because it says when a Jew studies Torah, the Zayar says if a Jew studies Torah without the love of Hashem, without the awe of Hashem, he's just studying Torah as an intellectual exercise because you yeah. love learning, you're a bookworm whatever. intellectually, yeah. then your Torah is flat, your Torah has no wings, your Torah doesn't fly, it doesn't soar, it stays flat, it's heavy, it can't reach heaven. 
That's what it means. You go to heaven, your soul goes to heaven, but your Torah stays down here on earth because your Torah is so infused with ego, with arrogance, with I. I am so brilliant and I am so innovative. It's just so disgusting, the garments that you put the Torah in, that the Torah is in prison. The Torah, you weigh it down. The Torah can't soar. So he says, Ashri midim Khan, fortunate is the Jew who comes to Amudabiyade, the Torah that you learn is refined, is egoless, it soars like a light bird, it's free, it soars, and it comes with you in heaven. You know, it should inspire you to put on tefillin and do mitzvahs, plain and simple, you know? As with Shamati, and then I heard. Shamati Shoyenun used to say, Harugi Malchus in Adam Yachalamim those who were killed. By the government, by the Romans. The holy martyrs. The holy martyrs. A person can't even stand in their in no. their. In their spot. Yeah. Right in their ear in their spot. They're, they're such in a holy place yeah. in their enclosure they can't even stand it. Who are these? Who is he referring to? Maninu Elam. If you that's the only reason. I mean, even without being martyrs, they were in the holiest places and the highest places. They were the greatest rabbis. Ella is referring to Harugilu. Rashi says it refers to the, the, the Papas and Linus. There was once the daughter, the princess, was murdered, and they blamed the Jews. So Papas and Linus, and Linus who were innocent, took it upon themselves and confessed their crime. Mm-hmm. So to spear the Jewish people, they took it upon themselves and they, they confessed a crime they never did, and they were they were they were killed and they speared the Jewish community. So they martyred themselves, they sacrificed themselves to save the whole community. Oh, yeah. So their neshama yeah. is reached the highest levels. Mm-hmm. I don't really question the Gemara's question on Rabbi Kiva though, because you mean not reach- saying they did have other mayas. We're saying how come nobody other, even come close to that? Yeah, that, that, that's the same question I had. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. In other words, there's a special thing of Messiris Nefesh, you reach ultimate level which he can't reach and that's why that's uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo Rabbi Yosef Karo had a, an angel who came to teach him whenever he learned Mishnayas by heart he knew the whole Mishnayas by heart constantly recite Mishnayas the angel would come he says I'm the angel from the Mishnayas and he would come to teach him Torah and he wrote a whole book from the teaching that this angel taught him and one of the things the angel told him I have great news for you you can merit and be martyred to die as a Jewish martyr mm-hmm. Rabbi Yosef Karo lived a long life in his 90s and he was one of the most prolific rabbis that ever lived, one of the pillars of the Jewish people, Rabbi Yosef Karo, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Ketzef Mishnah, and the Rambam, and, and, uh, and he never merited to die. It was a punishment. The angel told him it's a punishment. Something happened, and you lost that merit. So could you imagine Rabbi Yosef Karo would have been martyred? We would never have heard about him. He wouldn't have had the time to develop the Shulchan Aruch and everything that he wrote. And it was considered a punishment. Because as great as you are in Torah, the, the the level that you reach through martyrdom, mm-hmm. godliness, the neshama, it's, it's something that you, you can't even get close to. So that, that strengthens the question that the Rabbi is asking, that why, why, so why does he say... I mean, it's amazing, like with Rabbi Akiva, I mean, he, uh, he was such an amazing personality, how he right. converted this right. and that. Right, his whole story, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but more than that, I mean, he was just on such a high level... Yeah, uh, yeah. Mar- martyrdom is like the next step. Of yeah, the yeah, the highest step. level. Yeah, it says by Yehimahu. Then the pasuk continues by Yehimahu. On that day, on that day, Yeah, Matzilas Asus, 
will be in the bells of horses. Kodesh Lashem, holy to Hashem. My mitzilas asus. What do you mean? I'm sure Malayve. As a kadosh baruch leis of yishlayim at shasus rotzum matzah. He says that mitzila comes from the word tzel, the shade. So when the shade will reach underneath, underneath the shadow will reach underneath, underneath the horse. Yeah. Because during the in the morning your shadow is on, on one side, and the afternoon your shadow is on the other side because the sun is like on a slant. Yeah. Noon time the shadow the sun is right over you, so the shadow is right underneath you, the, not on, not to your right, not to your left. Mm-hmm. So he says the time it would take, and the Shiach will come. Hashem is going to expand the city of Yerushalayim because you're going to have to have so many multitudes are going to come to eat the Meiser Sheni and the sacrifices. So it will be so great, Yerushalayim, that the time it will take from the horse, from sun, from the morning, the till, till noon the time to run, till noon. that's how big, that's how much the city will expand. Amatzilas has to be, will be holy, meaning will be Yerushalayim, the boundaries of Yerushalayim. And will be holy, you can eat the Maiser Sheni there, and you can eat the sacrifices, the Kachim Kalim. Says, all the bells that you hang amongst the source, all the ornaments, everything will be given to Hashem, mm. to, the, to the temple treasury. All the spoils, because it will be the great battle of when the Jews will triumph, so there'll be a tremendous amount of spoils. So all that spoils, all the spoils that would take them from, from the morning until till noon, till the, 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 the horse runs, and, and matzil, and, and then the shade, like we said earlier, the shade is on top of the shade, mm-hmm. will be all given away to Hashem. Mm. Gemara says, "Bish leimah makes sense." Man damar kol bizesh b'azir Yisrael that the Jews are going to give away all their spoils to the temple treasury. And the Chassid says, "Vaya hasidus beveis Hashem ki mizrakim ufnem is beir." That even the pots in the base of Migdash will be made of gold, just like the the basins before the altar, which had to be all of gold, the silver. Right. Everything has to be rich. Right. And usually the other uh, pots were made of copper, but here Mashiach will come. There'll be such wealth that even the pots, everything will be made of gold. So, that, so that's a continuation. It's a connection to what he said earlier, that since they're going to give away all the, all the spoils to the temple treasury, it'll be so rich, so wealthy, that, they, that everything will be made of gold. But those who say that the Pasuk is talking about, they're going to give away the horses' bells, or that your shalim is going to expand What's the connection to what he's saying next? That, that, that even the pots will be made of gold. So he says, He's saying a different thing. You're right, there's no connection. He's saying another thing. The Jews are going to become so wealthy, they're going to donate. They're going to bring. It makes sense. Referring to the spoil. So he says that there will no longer be any Kanani, any merchant in the temple, meaning donation in the temple will be so great that you won't have to do business. <laughs> you won't have to do business. 
what do you mean business? You're not allowed to do business. You think a, the temple treasurer, treasurer is allowed to invest in the stock market, take all the money and start making money and investing. And you can't do that. You can't use temple treasury for sacred. You know. But he means that when the temple treasury needed something, he would have to go to the marketplace, sell, and get money, and then buy with the money the things the temple treasury mean. But here, they're going to be so wealthy that they won't have to do that. They'll have every, everything they need. You won't have to do any business. You won't have to buy anything. They'll have everything. You won't have to do the half shekel? No, we're not talking about the half shekel. We're talking about the donation. The half shekel went for the sacrifices. Here we're talking about the temple treasury, anything they needed for the temple. You didn't have to sell temple treasure to get money to buy what you needed. You'll have enough money. So it's a continuation what he said earlier. That there'll be so much spoils and so much wealth right. and so much money okay. and gold. And so they'll have everything they need. They, they won't have to go sell to get money to buy something else. But according to the Mandama, El Mandama, Hanachtarit, the one who says it's referring to Hashem is going to expand Yerushalayim or that they, they gave away all the, all the trinkets on the, on the horse, Hashem, Hanachtarit, and there won't be any, the temple treasure won't have to do any business. I'm going to be here, read, Kanani means, that there won't be any more poverty, any poor people. Everything will be rich. Everything, everything will be rich. No but the Torah says the poor will never cease from the earth though. No, that's only when they don't do the will of Hashem. No. We already learned. It's only when they don't do the will of Hashem. Okay. No, in those days everyone will become wealthy. There will no okay. longer be any poor people. Previous question, either way, everyone, everyone, all the children are saying there's going to be a lot of money. The question is how we got there, no? No, first of all, according to the first two, there's nothing to do. The first two is that he's saying Yishalayim doesn't expand. No, but then there's another possibility. Right. Okay, but fine. Well, Yisir, call Sir. Right. Everyone agrees there's going to be tons of money. The question is how we know, right? Right, so Liyah Kanani does, does uh, fit in with the Pasuk Vayu called Sirvi Yerushalayim. Okay, there won't be any, oh, so he's saying he's adding, adding another thing. There won't be a villa, yeah. So if it's one thing, then he's saying one theme. The whole theme is one thing. But if he's saying different things, so what's he adding? Villa Yer Kanani. You already made the point that it's going to be so rich, the Jewish people are going to be rich. He's adding that there won't be any oni, there won't even be a single poor Jew. Everyone will be wealthy. A contraction. Yeah. How do we know Kanani means a business, a businessman? If it says, Yehuda. By Yehuda. He saw the daughter of a certain Kanani. By Yarsham, Yehuda, Basish Kanani. My Kanani. Parshas Vayeshev, that what? That he saw the daughter of Rish Kanani. My Kanani, if you're going to say Kanani, Mamesh, a Canaanite, how is it possible? Efshe Ba Avram, Vihizir, Yitzchak. Avram warned Yitzchak not to marry a Canaanite, not to marry from the local woman. He sent him away to go find a wife. But Yitzchak, not to marry, and he sent Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak, not from the Canaanite. But Yitzchak, 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 sent Yaakov away, and he told him, don't marry a Canaanite. Yehuda Azov and Yehuda would go against his family tradition and go intermarry. 
It means the daughter of a business person. Kanan is a business person. Eretz Kanan is a business. Kanan beyond the Moyes name Mirma. Kanan has in his hands a merchant. Kanan, a merchant has in his hands scales of deceit. Hesheya says that the merchant. He wants to get the better of you. In yeah, any yeah, 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 yeah. We learn it from here. It's business people are ministers and it's merchants and the respected elite of the land. Like in America, they were the billionaires run the show. And they cancel you out and cut you out if they don't like you. Okay. It says in Zechariah, it's continuing in Zechariah. It says over there in Zechariah that that day Hashem will be one, His name will be one. Now Hashem is not one. Only when Mashiach will come, will Hashem, on that day. This world, the world to come, is not like the world. This world, the present day. Oyelam has in the present day. You make two separate blessings, and good news, you make the blessing. And terrible news, tragic news, you make a different bracha. The world to come. That day, Hashem will be one. There's only going to be one blessing. Because there's only going to be good news. Mashiach will come. It's only good news. No more tragedies. No more death. No more illness. No, no more, no more evil. No more tragedies. What's a shmoyachos? What's a shmoy? No, you look back. You'll see that everything was good. But, but, but then there were, everything will be good. What's he adding? And that day Hashem will be one, and His name will be one. What, what are you adding? His name will be one. Now Hashem's name is not one. The future is not like the, the, the world today. And the present world. We Hashem is written one way. His name is written one way. But it's pronounced differently. We pronounce it at night. We're not allowed to pronounce it. Hashem's name will be one. We're going to pronounce Hashem's name as it's written. Rabbi wanted to to speak about Hashem's name. The old man, some Taisa says it refers to Eliyahu Eliyahu came to the Rav and said, It says Hashem's name should be hidden. Don't teach the secrets of the name of Hashem. Don't teach the Kabbalah in the, in the general uh, public public arena. Ravina, Ravina asks, it says in the Parsha we just read in Parsha Shemoy, Zesh Milalom. That my, this is my name forever, and then it says Zalala means it's to be concealed, like you just said. But then you say Zazikri, that I do mention Hashem's name. Make up your mind. Either it's concealed or or, or I say it. Hashem said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hidden. 
But you call it. Zichri means, Zichri means that you do the name Adnai does remind us of the name Hashem. It's, it's a substitute. Mm-hmm. When you say that name, yeah. it's referring to the name of Hashem. So it's a Zechir. It's a, it's, I'm remembering the name of Hashem by using a different name mm-hmm. to substitute for mm-hmm. it. But it, it, it indicates in the name of Hashem. But the name of Hashem itself, Yudke Vavke, mm-hmm. is hidden. Mm-hmm. We finish the third chapter, and now we move on to the fourth chapter. Those communities that have a custom, you're allowed to do work from the morning till noontime. You're allowed to. Those communities have a custom not to do work the whole mor- the whole morning of Pesach, not the night before, but the morning of Pesach. You're not allowed to do it. Why do you have such a custom? Why only till noon? Afternoon, no one is allowed to do work. Why isn't anyone allowed to do work afternoon? Because afternoon, a person brings you sacrifice. When you, because the Jewish people, every Jew had to bring a Paschal lamb. The day you bring your sacrifice, you're not allowed to do work. So therefore, and Taisu says it's biblical. Biblically, you're not allowed to do work. The day you bring your sacrifice is like a Yom Tov to you. So that day, a Jew, a, a Jew would not be allowed to do work. Question Taisu says, wait a minute. If you're telling me that till after midnight you're not allowed to do work, it's not a question of a custom. It's biblical because you bring your Paschal lamb. Just like whenever a Jew personally, privately goes to the temple and brings a sacrifice, that day is a holiday for him. No work that day. There, it's the whole day. Why only, till, why only from noon? This is a thing that makes a very obvious distinction. He says, yeah, because there, theoretically, I can bring the sacrifice in the morning. All day. So therefore, even if you don't bring it till the end of the day, the whole day you can't work. But Pesach, I'm not allowed to bring it before noon. The Titus gives me a very a very restricted timeline. So therefore, before noon, it's, it's not the time for the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Just like the day before I can work, before noon, it's no connection to the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So biblically, I'm allowed to work. And it depends on the custom. Why would it be a custom not to work before? Why not? So Rashi says... You shouldn't be busy doing work. You're going to forget. There's a lot of things you have to do before Pesach, in the morning. You have to finish eating. You have to get rid of the chametz. You have to prepare your, 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 your sacrificial lamb. You have, to, you have to prepare the matzah. Because you have to make the seder as soon as you come off from shul, everything has to be ready. You got to be sharp on the ball. So you need the time. It's not a day for work. It's not a day to you have to focused. You have to be focused. Yeah, that's true. So according to Rashi's explanation, even today when there is no carbon pesa, question is you can say today there's no carbon pesa. Those customs, those places that have a custom to work before noon, maybe today I should be able to work all day. He said no. Because this reason still applies. Yes, there's no carbon pesa, but you have to get rid of the matzah, you have to prepare the matzah, and you have to get rid of the chumfers, you have to get rid of the chumfers, you have to prepare the matzah, you have to be ready for the seder. So we can't have you work. The only question is, if you all day or just from noontime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the Mishnah continues, If someone travels, he's going on the, to these hotels, he's going, he's traveling. He goes from a city, a place, a community where people do work till noon. Mm-hmm. But then he goes to a city, to a place. He's traveling to Israel for the Seder. And let's say in Yerushalayim, and let's say over there, no one, no one works. Or, or the reverse. 
he, he lives in a community where no one works all day. But he comes to a community where everyone is working until noon. So what's the halacha? He has to be strict. All the strictness. In other words, if he comes from a community where they don't work, even though in his community, his home, they do work, you're not allowed to work. If you come from a community where you do work, he comes from a community where you don't work, and everyone works. So the Gemara will explain, what does it mean? Oh, so then he has to follow his, his community. He has to follow his own community, where he's coming from. He has to follow his own community. He's not allowed to work, even though everyone around him is working. Then the Mishnah continues. 50B, you're not allowed to change. You can't be obvious. He can't be obvious because of of the machli. It's going to lead. It's going to lead the conflict. Don't do things differently than everyone else. So this brings the obvious question. It contradicts what we just learned. Why does it contradict what we just said a second ago within the same breath? Because we said that if everyone is working and you're not working, you, oh look, look at this guy. Everyone else is good enough. Everyone else could work, and this guy is like a tzaddik. No one is not working. It's going to lead to machlekes. <laughs> okay, okay. So the Gemara will what about explain. About the seder itself, when you travel to Israel. Oh, the Gemara will explain. Oh, that's a separate thing. Yeah. Similarly, it says if someone takes fruits of the sabbatical year, sabbatical year, you have to make your fruits, all your yield, all your produce, ownerless. But, but while you make your, your fruits ownerless, you can eat from it. You can take it home to eat from. But you have to also leave it open for the stranger to eat. Everyone can come and eat from it. So the Torah says, as long as the animals, as long as the animals can still eat it, are still eating it, then you can keep it in your house. But if there's no more fruits left for the animals to eat, then you have to get rid of it from your house. You can't keep it in your house anymore. You have to get rid of it. So what if you have two different places in Israel? In one place in Israel, the, the fruits are still available. And in another place, the fruits are not available. And you travel from one place to the other. So, from a place where the fruits are already finished and you're obligated to get rid of the fruits. But then you travel to a place, in that place, these fruits are still available to the animals in the field. Or you come from a place where the animals, where the fruits are available and you take these fruits with you and you travel to a place, where in that place, the fruits are already not available and you have to get rid of it. Again, you have to be strict. In both cases, you have to follow wherever... Whether it's the place you're at or the place you're coming from, you have to you have to be machmer. You have to be strict. says, We say to him, go out and bring for yourself. The Gemara will explain what he means. So far, it seems very very cryptic. We have no idea what he's saying, but the Gemara will explain what what Abuda's statement is. Anybody go in and take out for themselves, right? We don't know what Abuda said. The Gemara will explain. Okay, that's the mission. Talk to your your back out of the house, you have to get short Well, that's uh, that's in itself an argument amongst the Shainim. What's beer? Ramam says you have to burn it. Well, they say no. You have to, beer means you have to eat it. You have to eat it. Yeah. Whatever, or, or 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 eat it. Even by eating it, you have to eat it. You have to. You can't keep it around. You can't preserve. Hold on to. It. 
Why only Erev Pesach? You tell me you're not allowed to work. I feel Erev Shabbos is every Erev Shabbos, every Friday, every Yom Tovim, every Yom Tanami. The Tanya we learned in the Bray, so we already learned this. Whoever does work and Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov from Mincha Lamaila, which Mincha? We're talking about Mincha Ktana. And by the way, if you look at the, at the global calendar, this year, last year in the global calendar, 5,780. That's when, that was Plaga Mincha. And that's when Hashem shut down the whole world. The first time in human history, Hashem shut down all the offices and all businesses and countries. Billions of people were sent home. Because it says before Shabbos, he send everyone home. Mashiach is Shabbos. Mashiach is Shabbos. The whole day will be Shabbos. Not only for Jews, even for non-Jews. The whole occupation of the world, the Jew as well as Gentiles, my man, he says, will be the knowledge of Hashem. There will no longer be any business. So Hashem shut down the whole world, is sending everyone home because Mashiach is coming. Plaga mincha. It's time to to uh, to get ready for Shabbos. And if you do work, if you do work, you're not going to see any any anything good, any blessing from that work. Right. You're not going to see any blessing from that work. Yeah, I'm not talking about the, the, like investments, that type of, but, but real work, you're not allowed to do. He says the distinction is there when he says mincha, he means literally mincha, but not close to mincha. Here it's before, it's chatzois, because even mincha gedoyla starts 12.30, a half hour after chatzois. Here it starts already from chatzois. Inami, or, or I'll answer you, Hosim, there's Simen Barachat Lechazi. There, it's only a question of Simen Barachat. You won't, you won't have any bracha, any blessing in, in whatever work you do. You won't see any profit, you won't see any blessing from it. But we don't excommunicate him. Hocha, here, there's a prohibition. We're going to excommunicate him for working. It's not, it's not like optional, you know, be wise, don't work, because nothing good is going to come out of it. Here, we actually excommunicate him. We see a Jew working out of Pesach. Gufa, he quotes. He said, "We learn that some lachav barish Shabbos barim tevim and a mincha lemaila. Whoever works out of Shabbos or out of Yom from mincha lemaila, over mitzay Shabbos and mitzay yantiv, and also after Shabbos, after yantiv. He's talking about immediately right after Shabbos, right after yantiv. Before you do avdala, if you want to, you want to extend the Shabbos, you want to extend the yantiv until you do avdala. It's still Shabbos. So if you work during that time." That you extended the Shabbos, you extended the Yom Tov, you extended Yom Kippur. In any place, wherever there's a movement of an Aveda, there's something of an Aveda. What's he coming to add? What's he referring to? The Gemara says. So he says, a trace, a trace of an Aveda. What's he referring to? Those fast days, those public fast days, when you have to fast and you're not allowed to work, when it's a rain, when it's a drought. And you're in danger. The whole community could die. There's no rain. There's no. There's no rain, and you know you know you can't grow anything. So if you make a you make a, a fast day, a real fast day, like in Kippur, day and night. You know, there's a whole stay, levels how you do it and stages. But the ultimate fast days, then if you work during that time, you'll never see any blessing from that work. From the rabbis learned, yes, Zod is There's someone who is who's quick. 
He's a city is, and he'll be rewarded. The Azad is Vinifsa, there's someone who's, who's a city is Vinifsa, he's going to lose out. Yes, Shuffled is a lazy, lazy, lazy guy, someone who's lazy, Vinifsa, and he gets a reward for his laziness. Yes, Shuffled is laziness, Vinifsa, and he loses out, and he spells it out. Zod is Vinifska, someone who's a city is, and he is rewarded for the city is David, Kulushabata. He works all Shabbos, but he stops working before Shabbos. He'll be rewarded because all of his work will be blessed. Zod is Vinifska, there's a person who's a city is, but Vinifska is going to lose out. David Kulushabata, he works all week, and David Malashabata, he works up until, up until candle lighting time, he's busy working. Hours. Yeah, last two hours. He's not going to see any blessing from it. Shuffle, Vaniska, there's a lazy one. Vaniska, who's rewarded. He doesn't work all week. But the last two and a half hours, he's not working either. So at least he gets a reward for that. Even though... It's lazy. Yeah, even though the reason he's not working because he's lazy. But the bottom line is, the bottom, so, uh, so he gets a reward for not working before Shabbos. <clears throat> but then there's a person uh, there's a person uh, the shuffle of a nifsa someone who's lazy and he loses out he doesn't work all week but when does he start working <laughs> suddenly suddenly he starts working he wakes up and he starts working so he's going to lose out okay. the guy who didn't work all week but is rewarded he didn't work I was saying he gets, he's going to be taken care of he gets a reward for not working well, that's huh? I'm saying it's giving him schar for the whole week of now. No, 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 no. For that, for that time, for working at a shop. Ahmed Avad Avad says, "Hani nashid the women of Mechuz, even though they don't do work out of Shabbos, before Shabbos, you know why? The reason is Meshuma Mefankusu. They're pampered. They're princesses. They're princesses. They're princesses. <laughs> Park Avenue. Because all week they don't work. <laughs> They don't do anything. They have a maid, a maid for cool, this, a chef for this. Yeah. The only the work the only work they do is ring the bell for the butler. Yeah. Okay, nevertheless, Shafal Vaniska, they get reward for not working before Shabbos. Karinalu, we Shafal Vaniska Karinalu. Rava Rami Rava asks, see if it says in one pasuk, Ki God Lad Shamayim Khazdef. That Hashem's greatness is still the heavens. Your kindness is still the heavens. One time, David Amel says in Tehillim, in Tehillim Kapitel Kufnun Zayin, Ad Shemayim. In the Ad Shemayim, in Nun Zayin, he says, Ad Shemayim. In, in 108, he says, Gigadal Me Al Shemayim, above Shemayim. Your kindness is above heaven. Okay, so that's a contradiction. He says, Those who do it for the sake of heaven, it reaches, Hashem's kindness reaches even beyond heaven. Those who do it for ulterior motives, their kindness only reaches up until heaven. A person should learn to do the right thing even for ulterior motives. Because eventually you come to it for the right motives. And that's what he says here, that even though you're not working all week round, mm-hmm. or the pampered women are not doing work all week round, but if you don't do it before Shabbos, because even though you have an ulterior motive, the bottom line is I'm doing the right thing, and you get reward for that. This is what the, what Alter Rebbe was released from prison. Someone put in, helped Alter Rebbe get out of prison, and he made him... He made him uh, 
promise him that he's going to go visit the three greatest Lithuanian misnagdim uh, from the opposition, the greatest geniuses who were alive then. Not that agreed. And he had an unbelievable encounter with all three of them, and they walked, they walked away tremendously respecting the Alter Rebbe. And one of the questions, one of them asked the Alter Rebbe, he says, what's the source, what it says in the Zohar, and according to Tanya, we discussed earlier, that that, that if a Jew studies Torah mitzvahs, and you do it without without ulterior motive, it's like you have wings, and it flies, it soars, it reaches heaven. Versus if you do it with ulterior motive, the Torah mitzvahs are flat, it remains in this world and can't soar, it's not light, it's heavy, and it can't go. Dr. Rebbe quoted this Gemara, it's an open Gemara. Hmm. And this, this, this genius knew the whole Talmud backwards and forwards. He says, what Gemara? I don't know if such a Gemara. Dr. Rebbe quoted this, this Gemara that we just learned. He says, On one hand, it reaches only till heaven. On the other pasuk, it says, It reaches above heaven. And what does the Gemara answer? If you do it, you do it for the sake of Hashem. You have a godly motivation. It's egoless motivation. You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about Hashem. Then your, your Torah mitzvah soar beyond heaven. Versus if you have an ulterior motive, an egotistical motivation, an eye, your eye is very prominent. It, it's stuck, it can't reach heaven it's, it's, it's beneath heaven and he, and he was so blown away he was like <laughs> open the mother huh? yeah. right, 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 right he didn't have a chassid but he, he, he had tremendous respect for the Alter Rebbe so the question is Taisus asked, it Rav himself said that if a person learns Torah, we learned it in Barachas, if a person learns Torah, better you should never have been created. So how can you say a person should engage in Torah mitzvah? So he says, he makes a distinction, Taisus makes a distinction, and here he's talking about if he's doing despite, or, or it's purely egotistical. There's no, here we're talking about, I'm not doing it for Hashem, but I, I don't have any spite, I'm not doing it, it, it you know, it's, it's, there's no intent here. That we say a person should study Torah even without the proper intent because eventually you're going to come to learn Torah for the proper intent. Right, right. Okay. Right. Okay. The rabbis learn. Someone who doesn't work and he expects his wife, he's waiting for the reward of his wife. That she'll work and, and, and it's the meaning type of labor. The meaning type of labor. That what? How does she make? How does she make her money? She makes her money, or a mill. She spins thread. Yeah, she spins thread. And charges by weight on a scale. Right. Some yeah. Some say it means uh, right. Spins well. Rechayim is referring to. She um, makes a pittance. Oh, so he explains. Meaning, so, so Rashi says, maskulta means that she weighs, she goes around scales. scales. It, but it's demeaning to walk around. Right, because you don't make a lot of money. And you it's, to go it's, out to customers, and it's demeaning. Right, she takes scales and she goes around. Whoever needs to rent the scale. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of work and very little pay. And it's very demeaning. Taisu says... That she goes weaving, and it's the meaning because she has to lift up her arms in public and weave, and it's it's it's, it's, it's and and mas- means you have to weigh. You, she would sell 
by how much uh, thread she was she she was able to make. She was able to uh, not weaving, uh, uh, spinning. How much she was able to spin, and you would measure it, you would weigh weigh it. That's what we know, right? Yeah, that's maskulta. Yeah, right. That that, that's that's uh, noshi. What um, what rechayim rechayim igrisa. Rechaya means. Rechaya means a galta, offering a handmill for hire. It's also very hard work, and it's barely the margins of profit is tiny. Mm-hmm. So you don't see any blessing in it. If your wife makes and sells handmills. Mm-hmm. Then it's like any other business. Then the pasuk eshes chayil. We say after shalom aleichem every Friday night we praise the woman. And look, look what a wise businesswoman she is. She makes a cloak and she sells it. If she's selling, selling, if she's selling all these things, these handmills, and the, 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 then she's very wise. But if she's just going around and then. It's hard work, and the returns are not worth it. Mm-hmm. You don't see any blessing. Tana Rabban and the rabbis learn, a mistaker, someone who makes money, bekanen. With poles, with sticks. He makes fences. Fence maker. And with jars. You don't see any blessing. Why? Since the bulk is very great, you're dealing with a great bulk, so you make a lot of noise. There's, there's fences, there's a big pieces of wood mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and jars so people have a bad eye people think that you're engaged in substantial enterprise you're a macher, you're a builder, you're making but really there's no money involved <laughs> yeah, you're making peanuts <laughs> there's no blessing involved so people will be jealous of you for no reason they'll give you a bad eye so it's, it's bad on every level you're not making any money you're working so hard you, all these bulky things and, and, and people will give you the bad eye the evil eye mm-hmm. From the rabbis and the rabbis learn tagri symptom vendors in the public in the public places and those who raise who raise small animals like sheep goats the trampoline fields and those who cut down good trees for the wood and those whenever they divide amongst themselves mm-hmm. he always pushes to get the best portion you'll never see any blessing why time why the Toby and people are startled astonished by them you know that he's always taking the best always for himself why is he cutting uh, cutting uh, good wood take the best apple yeah um also people are upset that the animals they're afraid the animals are going to come graze in their fields so they give them the bad eye they trample And also, you're in the public, so you're very visible, so you're not going to have any blessing. 
you make a spectacle of yourself. Tan Rabbana, the rabbis learn, Dalit Puruta is a four pennies. Pennies is the smallest coin, literally a penny, copper. The four pennies that there's no blessing in it. the reward you get for writing. the reward you get for translating. The rabbi would speak and then there's, he had a translator who would translate it to the to the to the crowd. He would he would uh, interpret the interpreter. Mm-hmm. the reward for taking care of the money of the of the you know the estate for the for the orphans. Mm-hmm. You know, being the executor of the orphans, mm-hmm. and they would take a lot of money. They would take fifty percent profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And money that comes from, from overseas shipping. You know, from 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 doing shipping, doing business, international business. So these things, you're not going to see any blessing. Why not? He says, for being an interpreter for the rabbi, because it looks like he's taking a reward for Shabbos. You're not allowed to take money for doing work on Shabbos. The only way you're allowed to do it is if you get paid for doing your work a whole week. But since the main thing was really on Shabbos, that's when everyone was in shul. So it, looked, it appeared to people as if you're just getting paid for Shabbos. So nothing good will come out of that money. Mm-hmm. And the money that you took, you're taking such a high, it's like, it's like these hedge funds, they take 50% or 20%. You're taking such a high percentage, 50% to yourself. They're, they're young, they're not, they're not even capable of, of forgiving you, of forgiving you, of making that decision. Right, making that decision to give you all that profit. Right. It's stealing. Yeah, it's like stealing away. Money that you make from international trade, sending your boats out. It's a miracle. So many things could happen. Your boat could sink. It's out of your control. You're doing business with China. It's a miracle. <laughs> Count your fingers when you come back. Right. Well, the only thing that lasts that they got from China is the virus. If it don't get intercepted by Iran. but my time alive. But the reward for for writing, why not? Well, why don't you get any? Why don't you see any blessing from the reward? Someone is paying you. The rabbis were, were the literate ones, like we learned yesterday. The only reason the rabbis are allowed, the Amaris, let them live is because they need them. They're learned, they're scholars, they need them to write things. So why, what's wrong with paying them for their services? I'm Rabbi Shor Malevi, Chavdala Tainus, 24 Tainus. Yoshru, Anshi, Knesset, Sagdeila. The rabbis of the Great Assembly said, Al Kaisvi Svadim, Tulna Mazuzis. That those who write, Tulna Mazuzis, Sefetayda, Tulna Mazuzis, Shalaisashi, shouldn't become rich. Shalmali Mazashi, if they would become rich, and Kaiswin, they wouldn't write. Because they're poor. So they need the money, they're desperate. That's why they sit all day and write. So we need them. So that's why there's no blessing. Why 24 fasts? Commentaries say because the twenty-four yeah, books in the Torah, Tanakh, so they made twenty-four fasts that they shouldn't. They should become poor. They should be poor, so they should have pressure. If there's no necessity, there's no need. There's no. They wouldn't be sitting or writing all day. They would be sitting in luxury, so no one would have. They'd retire before. They were retired. No one would have the books that you need. Very few people know how to write properly, so if they, they need the money, they would. Tana Rabban and the rabbis learn. Hein they betagreen, and their business betagre tagreen. The, the wholesalers, the retailers, bekola eskim lecha shemayim, and all those who are engaged in in, in 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 holy things who are selling holy things lasuye to add meichret chelas. Those who sell chelas, sitzes, you know the the svarim bookstores. They're selling holy things. The whole business is 
heavenly business. They don't see a blessing. Because again, we need the supply. If they were wealthy, we would never have the supplies that we need. Here, they have to work hard, so they have to constantly produce. They have to constantly produce to supply the wholesalers and the retailers. So you, the cipher are busy day and night. They're writing and writing. So, so if anyone in this chain would, would be wealthy, they would stop, then, then we wouldn't have the supplies that we need of all these holy objects. But the Gemara says, but if they do it for the sake of heaven, they want people to have, so then even if they have money, then they do see a bracha, because even if Hashem will make them wealthy, they're going to continue to write, because their motivation wasn't money. If their motivation is money, if I have money, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm retiring early. But if their motivation was never money so even when they have money they're going to continue to write so they could be wealthy okay last piece of the mother Baishan the city of Baishan they had a custom they wouldn't go they wouldn't go to go to the marketplace to buy for Shabbos we learned you're not allowed to travel we already learned it's not allowed to travel before Shabbos right native but but from Tzur Litzidan, it's a short distance, you mm-hmm. could travel on Friday. But they were strict on themselves. They took mm-hmm. it upon themselves not even to travel on Tzur Litzidan. So you shouldn't, all your preparation should be done earlier. You should spend all day on Shabbos focusing on Shabbos, not traveling, going to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Also, B'nai, their children, the next generation, came in front of Rabbi Yechon, they said, Ah, and our fathers, Eshelu, they can live with this uh, strictness. Mm-hmm. We can't, we have to go, we have to go to the marketplace, we can't uh, take off a whole day and... Responded to them. Your parents took it upon themselves, and it's obligatory to the next generation. King Solomon, says in Proverbs, "Listen, my son, listen to the Musa of your fathers, Valtitish, and don't and don't put aside." So it's obligatory since they took it upon themselves. They took it upon themselves. Their children, their grandchildren, all future generation so you have no choice you have to keep this strictness and don't travel even from from Metzur Litzida in, uh, to do your shopping before Shabbos we'll stop over here to be wow. continued everyone have a wonderful day